brought your Bibles this morning, and I hope that you have. Turn with me to the book of John, the Gospel according to John, uh, to the 15th chapter. I want to begin in the first verse. Uh, as you're finding John chapter 15, let me just remind you this morning, or I don't know if remind's the right word, inform you, I don't know. Uh, but anyways, I'm not, I don't think uh, I'm going to preach anything today that will be earth-shattering or something that you've not, you know, heard before or heard taught on, preached on, thought about before, read about before. Um, what I'm going to preach about this morning is about prayer. Uh, and so uh, it's a spiritual discipline. I, I, and I guess what I'm trying to say is, is we need to be reminded. Uh, there are certain things that I would call, I, I don't know if this is the right terminology or not, but it's what I would say, uh, certain things that I call spiritual disciplines. Prayer is one of those things. Reading our Bibles is another spiritual discipline. Uh, coming together like you have this morning and corporately worshiping together, right? That means as body of Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ, gathering together and, and worshiping together. That is definitely a spiritual discipline. And that, and that is not the same as, and, as worshiping alone. Uh, and and w one does not replace the other. One will not do in place of the other, right? Uh, our own private worship, that should be something that just comes out of us as an outflow of our relationship with Christ and as an outflow of, of, of the spiritual disciplines, right? Of reading our Bibles and praying and, you know, studying the Word, uh, you know, and lifting our voices up, worshiping God, uh, giving God the glory that He alone is due. And so anyways, I want to look here this morning in John chapter 15 at the first few verses, and then we'll go to the Lord together in a word of prayer. And I'll just try to share with you just a few thoughts here this morning. John chapter 15, verse 1 says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that, uh, that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, <clears throat> that it may bring forth more fruit. Then ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a, as a branch, and is withered, and men shall gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just humbly come before you. We thank you, Lord, for the good day and for the many blessings. We thank you for the opportunity you've given us to gather here this morning, to worship together, to lift our voices up together, to fellowship together, uh, to call upon your name together. We thank you, Lord, for the roof you put over our head, the nation that we live in, the freedom that we have to gather here openly without fear of persecution. But we thank you most of all this morning for your son, Jesus. Lord God, that you sent him 
and that you give him so that we might have life and have that life eternally and abundantly. God, I just pray, Lord, that we would never take that for granted or take that lightly, but that we would always give you the praise and glory that you alone are due. And I pray as we go forward here this morning, uh, pray, Lord, that we would just turn our focus completely to you. I pray this morning, Lord, that we would set everything else aside. I pray, Lord, that we would have ears to hear what you would say to us this morning by your Spirit. And Lord, I pray that we'd have hearts to receive it. And that we wouldn't just be hearers of your word, but that we'd be doers of your word as well. I pray, Lord, that it would just take root deep inside of us, begin to grow and transform us from the inside out into the image of your Son, to the people that you've called us to be. So, Lord, my prayer is, is that we just get out of the way and let you be God in this service. Let you have your way and your will here in our midst, and we'll give you every bit of the glory for it. Lord, I pray... If there's one among us that doesn't know you, if there are any that have maybe backslidden or fallen away or grown cold, if there's one that's not sure where they stand with you, not sure that if they were to die today, whether they'd go to heaven or hell or anything, I pray that today would be the day that you'd get a hold of them. Today would be the day that you'd shake them their very foundations, that you'd shake them to their, to their core. Pray that today would be the day that you'd pour out that old-time Holy Ghost conviction upon them. God, that you wouldn't give them any peace until they repent and get things right with you before it's everlasting too late. So, Lord, my prayer this morning is, is that you would just move in a mighty way here in our service. And God, that you'd have your way and your will. And Lord, I ask that you'd have your way and your will with me and with my tongue. Lord, I'm praying that you'd clear my mind of everything except for your message, your thoughts, your words. Place on my tongue the very things you'd have me to say here this morning. God, I can't preach a lick without you. Unless you give it to me, i got nothing to say. So Lord, I'm asking that you'd preach me here one more time this morning. God, give me the words you'd have me to speak here this morning and I'll be sure and give you every bit of the glory for it. Lord, have your way and your will in our midst. We love you. We worship you. We praise your holy name. And we ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. I would say that every one of us here, I mean, I don't know this for sure. Maybe you don't wouldn't say this, but I would think everyone here this morning would say, if I was to ask you or somebody was to poll you as you were leaving this place this morning and ask you, do you believe that God answers prayer? I would say probably all of you would say yes. I would say that most Christians, I would like to think, I would hope that most Christians would say yes. They believe God answers prayer. But you know, if you were to not ask the question and instead study the actions and the behaviors of Christians, and, and including us, I'm afraid that often our actions would say otherwise. We know the right answer, right? 
We give lip service to it, right? We know, oh yes, of course we believe that God answers prayer. But we act, but then we'll turn around and act in such a way as if he doesn't answer prayer or doesn't care or rarely will answer prayer. Often, we, it seems like we treat it like and we act like our prayer is nothing more than just an exercise of goodwill. Right, it, that it's just a positive, that it's just a, a gesture, good gesture, right? That it's just positive thoughts, but it really will not affect the outcome, right? Uh, that, that's, uh, that's the criticism that we've heard from the world so often. And the truth is, is if you study the action of, of most Christians most of the time, now not all Christians and definitely not all the time, but most Christians are most of the time, that is what our actions say. It doesn't say anything different than what the world says. But the truth is, and I'm reminding you this morning, right? I don't think I'm declaring something to you that you don't know or haven't heard before, but I'm reminding you this morning of the truth that God does answer prayer. He does. Prayer is the, mo- is the most powerful um, I guess weapon, I don't know if that's the right word to use there or not, but that God has given us. Uh, You know, I think about uh, what uh, was famously said, that uh, prayer moves the hand that moves the world. And that's exactly right, right? In the the book of James, it tells us there towards the end in chapter 5, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That means that, that if you're right with God, your prayers make a difference. Now, with that said, God does not grant every request that is asked of him. Every request and every prayer, God does not grant. And truthfully, we need to be glad that he does not uh, answer or grant every request asked of him in prayer. He doesn't always give us uh, you know, and we think about this and we start to go down this road of thought, he doesn't always give us the answers that we're wanting also, right? We'll ask things of prayer and sometimes we get, you know, what it is that we want, that we think that we need or we think is best, but a lot of times we don't. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't answer prayer. He does. He most definitely answers prayer. Now, it should be talking about prayer this morning. Uh, in a group like this this morning, it probably should be able to to go be, to go without even being said. Uh, but I'm going to say it anyways. If we're not praying in faith, believing, then we're wasting our time, right? If you do not pray in faith, believing that God can and that God will, right? Then you're absolutely wasting your time, right? Then it is no more than an exercise of goodwill and positive thoughts that will make no difference whatsoever. And I could probably spend a lot of time, and I have at different times, preaching on the on different aspects of prayer and what it means and how we should pray, right? Jesus took time and taught his disciples, this is how we pray, or this is how you should pray, right? And we call that the Lord's Prayer, right? And so we could go through and we could learn a lot of different things about that. We could talk about why it is that we're told uh, to pray in the name of Jesus, and, and, and we could go on. But instead, I'm going to focus on just a few things here this morning. Just a few 
reasons that maybe God has not answered your prayer yet. Remember, I said yet. So let me give you a few reasons here. First of all, what you're praying for might not be what's best for you. Have you ever done that before or ever thought about that before? What you're praying for might not be what's best for you, right? We think we know what's best, but you see God sees the big picture, right? I mean, uh, <laughs> well, I could give all kinds uh, of, of examples, and I, I'm not going to, but you... You get the idea, you get the point, right? Uh, we can look at children as a good example, right? There's all kinds of things that children thought that they needed. I, I can remember going back and, and I cut wood with Dad and we burned wood and I cut wood with him from, man, from so young, I, younger than I can remember. Um, I, can re, I can remember um, when I lost my first tooth and wanting to show it to Dad and he was out cutting wood and going, and I lost it on the way there. But I can remember from a very young age, the reason I started to tell you that is thinking, I couldn't understand what Dad's got a chainsaw, why ain't I got one? Well, that would have probably been a bad idea, right? There's a little growing and maturing that needed to take place before I was ready for something like that, right? We can't, just like children, we can't all, that's a silly example. But anyways, we can't always see the big, eye, the big picture. And sometimes what we're asking for is just foolish or selfish, right? And, and, and the truth is, is you and I aren't always wise enough to understand just how foolish and how selfish uh, our prayers uh, are and how they could hurt us. I'll think about this for just a minute. One thing that people often pray for and ask for is money. Probably everybody has daydream, spent time daydreaming at one time or another what they would do if they would, you know, hypothetically win the lottery. If they were all of a sudden to come into a big, you know, unknown inheritance. Inherit the, you know, used to we think a million dollars. Now a million dollars is not hear what it, what it used to be, but some large sum of money, something that we would think would set us up for the rest of our life, you know, never have to worry, never care. You, you know, one of the problems is, is we think if you don't have money, you think money will fix your problems, right? The more money that you've got, the more that you realize how few of problems that money will actually fix, right? Beyond maybe basic necessities, and I'm telling you, that's only, that's only true at certain times in certain parts of the world, right? But anyways, usually money, a lot of times money will, can create more problems uh, than it can solve for sure. Uh, and, and so my point of this whole thing is, the truth is if God granted every person that asked for a million dollars or a billion dollars or whatever, it could hurt you more than it could help you. How many? How many if they had an extraordinary amount of money would all of a sudden turn to things and get into things that maybe they hadn't ought to be in? How many lives have been ruined, right, by the things that they buy and do with money, right? Uh, you know, what if? What if? what if? What if you're sitting here and you're faithful and you trust in the Lord and you don't have much and barely get by, sometimes wonder, 
But what if all of a sudden, right, God was to grant that request and give you that, you know, million dollars or whatever. And, but what it actually ended up doing was taking you away from God. Which, which way would you be better, right? Poor and struggling and trusting in the Lord? Or fat and, ha- fat and rich and you think you're happy, but you're miserable? Sometimes we don't get what we're asking for because it might hurt us. It might be it might be what it might not be what's best for us. I think about what it says in Psalms 84:11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. Listen to this last part. No good thing will be with will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. No good thing. Think about it for just a second here. Satan has never given you one thing that was good for you. He's given you a lot of things that you think that you want and you think might be good for you, but he's never given you one thing that was good for you, right? So if God promises not to withhold any good thing, then what you're asking for must not have been good for you. Remember that next time that you're asking for something that you think you really need or want or, you know, why wouldn't God want me to have a million dollars? Why wouldn't God want me to have whatever it is, fill it in there? Scripture says he won't withhold anything from you that's good for you. So just maybe if he withholds it from you, just maybe it's not good for you. Let me give you another one. Maybe whatever it is that you're asking for, the timing may not be right yet. Right? The timing might not be right yet. Right? Sometimes God's answer, when we think about prayer, right, we we live in a day and a time where everything is immediate. Right? Most people here probably watch your television on demand. Right? It's what you want to watch right then. Right, we've come to the point that we carry a phone around in our pocket and we, ex- and, and we expect things, whatever information, in a moment, right? We text somebody and we look back 10 seconds later wondering, why haven't they texted us back, you know? I mean, we expect things immediately. That is the time that we, that we live in. And we do the same thing. We pray and we expect God to just bam, immediately. It'd be done before we've even finished praying. Maybe sometimes it happens that way, but only if it's in God's time, only if it's in God's will. You see, God's answer, right, right, we think it's either yes or no, and we think it needs to be immediate. But you know what? Sometimes God's answer isn't yes, and it isn't no. It's wait. Wait. The time is not right yet. I think about someone with an illness, praying that God would heal them. Why wouldn't God want to heal them? Why wouldn't he just do it right then? Just the moment that they exercise, you know, the faith and, and ask God in faith, believing, and maybe call the elders of the church and they've anointed them with oil and laid hands on them and praying and all are praying in faith, believing. Why, why not instantaneous every single time? Maybe the timing's not right yet. Maybe God is still going to use you to reach somebody else. 
Maybe, maybe, right? So, so looking at this in general again, right? The timing may not be ready yet. Whatever it is that you're asking for, maybe you're not ready for the answer yet. Maybe you're not ready. Maybe, just maybe, sometimes God needs to prepare you for the answer, right? Because you're not ready for it yet, right? Maybe he's got some work that he needs to do on us still. Or maybe, maybe what you're asking for is not ready yet, right? In other words, maybe there's some work that he still needs to do on the other end, that still needs to happen on the other end first. Here's what I do know for sure. I know that sometimes we get impatient and we're early, right? Or sometimes we're late, right? Think about that for a minute, right? Uh, Some of us are bad about running in last minute or late everywhere and that's just how we go, right? I'm real bad if I don't watch myself as I start getting ready to go when it's time that I ought to be there, you know? It's like that's my time to, you know, some of us just run that away. Some of us run the other way, especially if something's really important to us, right? And, and all of us, even people like me that's bad to run late, um, sometimes if something's important enough, you're compl- that's all you're thinking about or the main thing that you're thinking about, and you'll get there really early. And I think sometimes that we think God ought to operate that same way. But you see, God's timing is perfect. Right? And we use that all the time talking about how he's never late. God's never late. He's always on time. You know what else that means? That means he's never early either. Just because you want him to show up early or do whatever it is early, God's timing is always perfect. Right on time. Never late but never early either. So what else? What else might be hindering our prayers, right? What else, uh, what other reason maybe have we not gotten an answer to our prayer yet? Well, I'm going to tell you one that needs to be said. Is there maybe sin that's hindering your prayer? Listen to me. There may be sin that is hindering your prayer. I've had people get upset about that before uh, whenever that's brought up. I, I know even some people that doesn't believe that that's possible. But listen to me. That's what the scripture says. Psalms chapter 66 and verse eight, uh, 13, 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Well, that's pretty plain and clear, right? Iniquity is sin. If I regard iniquity, if I hold sin in my heart, God will not hear me. I don't care if it is my child or grandchild or friend or whatever that is sick and dying and I, you know, have such a burden for them or maybe somebody that's lost and I have such a burden for them and I'm just praying and, and, and I'm so heartfelt and in faith believing, doing everything right except for the sin that I'm holding in my heart. You know, it says in, in the book of Isaiah, uh, it, he tells us that God's hand has not gotten so heavy that he can't reach down, right? His ears so heavy that he cannot, or his hands so short that he can't reach down, his ears so heavy that he cannot hear. But it's our sins that have separated us from him, right? That's the reason that he does not hear, right? God may not have answered your prayer because there's some sin in your life that you need to deal with 
first. And when you and I refuse to acknowledge the sin, see, the sin comes in, and that separates us from, from God, right? It, it, comes, it comes in the way in our relationship with God, right? It, it, it severs us from God. It separates us from God. I, I think about, I've thought a lot uh, here in the last couple of days about the Garden of Eden, and I know I've used that as an example with you before, uh, but that's exactly what happened there, right? They disobeyed God. They had the choice between death and life. They cho- chose death. Um, they disobeyed God. They done exactly what God told them not to do. Uh, and whenever God come, and you know they made fig leaves uh, for clothes, for aprons to cover themselves, their shame because they realized they were naked and they are hiding from God. And God comes and He calls them out. He's giving them a chance for repentance. And they don't do it. That sin come between them and God, separated them from God. When you and I refuse to acknowledge the sin, right? That's what Adam and Eve did. They blamed everybody else, right? Uh, Adam blamed God and Eve. Eve blamed uh, the serpent. They blamed everybody else and refused to acknowledge their own sin. When we do the same thing, when you and I refuse to acknowledge the sin that is in our lives, God will simply not answer. The Bible says he doesn't even hear us when we pray, when we're in that state. The situation and that sin, that, so in other words, that situation, whatever it is, and that sin must be dealt with in order for us to move forward. The Lord is not, let me put it this way, the Lord is most concerned about his relationship with us, right? He's so concerned about that he sent Jesus to die on Calvary's cross so that that relationship could be restored. So that is what he is most concerned about. And everything else is on hold until that is fixed. It's not like, okay, God, we've got this problem, we've got this separation, we've got this sin between us, but let's set that aside so we can deal with this other, what we feel is more pressing issue right now. And God says, no, that is not the most pressing issue. My relationship with you, the sin that's come between us, that's the most pressing thing. That's what's got to be dealt with first. Do you ever wonder sometimes why? You haven't been able to get even what you feel like is basic prayers answered. Are there times when you feel like you just can't get through to God? Let me throw the idea, just one possibility out of many, but is it possible that there is some sin that is hindering your prayers? Could it be time that you examine yourself and see is there something lurking in there that you, the Holy Spirit has been convicting you of and that you need to deal with? Maybe you've let it sit there and fester so long and begin to harden to it, right, that it doesn't even, you don't even really hardly feel the prick or the conviction anymore. It's there, but just faintly. Let me throw one. It's about time for me to quit, so let me just throw one last thing out at you, and I'll stop here this morning. One reason that maybe you haven't got your answer, your prayer answered yet. Maybe it's back to what I read to you this morning. 
Let me read it to you, verse 7 to you again. Jesus said, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Maybe you're not abiding in him. He says, he makes it clear, that's the prerequisite on getting your prayers answered, is you must abide in him. Right? If we begin to study prayer and what it is and think about prayer, prayer is not so much about getting God to do for us as much as it is about getting us on the same page with God. How many requests do we make that begin and end with what we want him to do without giving any thought to what his will might be, right? How often do we just go to the Lord and we just begin to tell him, this is what I want you to do, Lord, this is what I want you to do. You know, I want you to do this, and I want you to do that, and I want you to take care of this. And, and we don't even give, we don't even slow down, don't even stop and give any thought to what might be the will of the Lord. We don't seek what his will is and so that we can pray his will. We just pray our will. Listen to me. We must, we need to be striving to walk so close to God that our will is his will and his will is our will. This is a closeness, a oneness that can only come from abiding in Him. From that close, personal, intimate relationship and walk with God. Right? Where we're so in tune and so in line with God that just just naturally what we want is what He wants and what He wants is what we want. Can I tell you that that's the secret? Abiding is the secret of a successful prayer life. The closer that we get to the Lord, the more that we learn to think His thoughts. Right? That's the point. That's why we're trying to be Christ-like, right? Christian, right? That's what that means to be Christ-like. If we're trying to be Christ-like and walk with the Lord and, and want that close, intimate relationship with Him, the whole point is just get, is getting to the point that we begin to think His thoughts. And the more that we get to know Him through His Word, the more that we will understand what His will is. Too often people just go off of what they think and what they feel, right? They don't spend any time in the Word of God. They don't spend any time with the Lord, and they just make up whatever it is that they want, you know? And some of it maybe is good reasoning and good logic, you know, from the world's point of view, right? Some of it's what we would call, you know, Proverbs and things like that, not Proverbs from the book of Proverbs, but just wise things, right? We might call it good common sense. But if it's not the Word of God, then it's not the will of God. The more our will agrees with his will, the more sure, the more we can be sure of our our prayers being answered. So let me just ask you this in closing. Are you living in Christ? 
That's what abiding means. Are you abiding in Christ? Are you living in Christ? And the flip of that, what he asks us here, is, is his word living in you? Are you living in him, and is his word, right, that is the Lord, is he living in you? Want to know why you feel like that you can't get through to God and feel like your prayers are never answered? Maybe you're not where you ought to be. Maybe you ain't done what you ought to be doing. Maybe the timing just ain't quite right. Maybe, I went a long way explaining my first point to you, but the scripture simply sums it up this way. Maybe we're asking amiss. Right? That's what James tells us. Maybe what we're asking for is not what we ought to be asking for. Maybe it's not what's best. Maybe we think it's what we want or what we need. But it's not truly what we want or what we need. I want to invite you to stand. I'm going to open the altar and I'm going to give you an opportunity this morning. If the Spirit of God is dealing with you, would you come this morning? Maybe you've got a need. Maybe you've got a burden. Maybe the Spirit of the Lord has been dealing with you, right? Maybe He's pricked your heart. Maybe that uh, He's softened your heart, right? And so it's sensitive to the leading of the Spirit of God. And maybe He's drawing you this morning. So I would ask you if He is to come this morning. Maybe you've got a need. Maybe you've got a burden. Maybe there's something going on. Would you come and would you talk to the Lord about it? Would you cry out to Him this morning? Maybe, maybe there's somebody else that's on your heart. Maybe there's some things in your own life that you need to deal with. Maybe there's some things that need to be repaired of and gotten out of the way. Whatever the case may be, don't miss this opportunity. Would you come this morning? Would you come?